Hello, everybody. Welcome to Optional Opinion. I'm your host, Eddie V. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great show for you. Um, this one is going to be actually different. I, I, I had shows. Well, not a show. I had an episode that actually talked about, um, you know, can video games help your sex life? And I spoke to my friend Chris, uh, who is gay, and I kind of it kind of led me more into uh lgbtq culture and video games so on today's episode has a lgbtq uh video game characters brought in more players and going kind of kind of take a look at some of the history of why we haven't seen it um in the past to where it stands now and have that allowed more uh human players i should say (laughs) into the community um, because I know we still deal with some homophobia and we still deal with, um, some things, uh, online in chat, but, you know, gaming has expanded, um, to various, uh, to various degrees, I should say. So I kind of want to see where, um, you know, kind of talk about it and kind of give my opinion about it and some options for it so we're going to kind of just like look into some of the things um and we're going to start off a little bit with the history of the past um to actually tell you guys the truth uh there was none on any console platform i kind of looked back at some of it and it was kind of on pc like a text adventures and stuff like that but there was nothing that you could visually see or control on any platform back in the 80s and 90s um definitely the way how nintendo was being run and how sega was being run those being the two main companies you know issues like lgbtq weren't for kids you know we didn't think about it we thought about a can i get a high score or how far can i get in this game at the end or you know you know just having different ideas of video games because we were kids during that time during the 80s and 90s so we didn't really get into like strong narrative and dialogue and like music and stuff like that we were just happy to get a new video game play it share with our friends um go over their house and play and things like that that was kind of the idea of the video game community um definitely you know when we actually started to realize that there were video games in Europe and with Japan and learning more about them, uh, games were censored and uh, changed due to cultures. Um, we didn't even know that, like, the Ninja Turtles in in UK was called something else. Um, even with Contra, like, that was considered as to be something else. So there were changes in the culture in different areas you know they have to meet certain requirements in order for those games to be sold not so much right now you know there there are still people uh, who games are still being banned and still have to meet uh that uh you know that country's laws on on how to be released because like wolfenstein uh can't you know it got released in germany but all the nazi stuff had to get taken about taken out of there they can't play it the original way unless someone put out a mod there and people have played it in its original way you know games going to australia they had to go through those random boards and still have like a difficult time 
being looked at over there. So we, so there was stuff like there that was kind of being censored, and you know, now in the days, uh, there is, it feels like a little bit more lax. Um, there's, they, people still have a viewpoint and an opinion about them, but it's not the way that it was back, definitely back in the 90s, I would say that. Um, women and being a muscle were depicted differently. Uh, and the reason why I say that and how this applies to, uh, the topic is that, um, you may have like one woman in a video game in a beat 'em up. Uh, you know, the way we look at Poison and Linda from Double Dragon, Poison for Final, fin- uh, Final Fight, uh, Linda from Double Dragon, uh, the way the ladies in uh, Streets of Rage and Situation 2 were, were handled and stuff, like their design was different. Um, these female uh, femitals were you know, kind of like concerning to a lot of companies and stuff. So they had to kind of limit it and give a description about these characters. Um, definitely look at Streets of Rage 2 uh, in the 90s. Um, you can see the female characters in there. They all carry a whip and they're all dressed in a sexy manner, but they're kind of, you know, uh, they will kick your tail. Um, Street Fighter, uh, not Street Fighter, and uh, she's Street of H One. Blaze kind of is copied in that game. So there is a fight where you fight two of two versions of the yourselves, and they're kind of hard because the hit detection is off. But you wouldn't think anything about that. Um, so like, just kind of like looking into that women representation was just it was kind of different and stuff so uh no one knew about lgbtq and the issues when it came to games like i stated earlier when it came to characters they became my favorite protagonist or antagonist or a side character you know there's people who love luigi mario toad princess uh peach or um you know, the, uh, Princess Tosu, wherever you want to call it, uh, Zelda, Link. Like, the Nintendo characters we love, the Sega characters we love, like Sonic the Hedgehog, um, like Beast, Michael Jackson, Moonwalker, um, things of that nature, say the Sega CD. It's just like, even Atari, like with Joust and Pac-Man and stuff like that, um, even though that's, that's never called Bendai, we have an affinity for these characters in these games. And as kids, that's what we were all thinking about. Um, as technology advanced and things were getting, you know, Things were getting a little bit more serious as gamers were growing up and new gamers were coming in. The art form was changing and there were better ways to tell a story and include more characters, include more diversity. Because definitely like for for someone like me, uh, who's African-American, there weren't that African-American representation back in the Nintendo days if there came to anybody black it was mike tyson that we had in the video game that was most well known um even in double dribble like you you can imagine a black character uh but you know there wasn't no official name or anything like that and it really didn't come to we got like madden 
and uh, the NBA games, like the sports games, that we kind of knew more of uh, black characters, but they were playing uh, famous uh, black people. Like we, we didn't have uh, what we have like in Mafia Three. You know, we didn't uh, like we just didn't have that representation that we could really say, "Hey, this is the leading black character that is that." you know that we love and famous for like for a lot of us i'd probably say jacks definitely for me will probably be the number one because he was uh visible in mortal kombat 2 uh we have barlog but he had a different name i think it's saget in japan so and he was a boxer which is kind of a play on mike tyson and stuff so jacks was kind of like this new um this protagonist who was kind of like like head of like well-known black people in video games and stuff and when it comes to lgbtq like we don't we in the gaming community don't have a character that fits that um we know of one but we haven't been like oh that is the leading one or that's the well-known one that we could talk about um and it's kind of it's kind of interesting to like really see uh you know in come uh, come across that so um that was kind of just stuff in the past definitely for the 80s and 90s um when definitely when it got to the 2000s and things uh and things in the gaming cultures became more acceptable and kind of you know like i said relax like relax um we got to see more stuff happen in gaming so when i come back i'm going to actually talk about the leading ladies or kind of <laughs> In the sense of the context of this, uh, I call them the leading ladies because these are probably the most recognized ones, but we haven't like officially claimed them in a sense. Um, you'll understand when I get to it. So everybody, I will be right back. So let's talk about some of the leading ladies uh, when it comes to uh, the LGBTQ um, community and 
well, not community, like characters in games that probably a lot of us can recognize. So going to actually start with one of them, and uh, that's Birdo from Super Mario Brothers 2. Now, we didn't know about this, but it's kind of interesting um, to read about it. Now, uh, when Super Mario Brothers 2 came to America, uh, in Japan, it was known as... Uh, you make uh, Kojo Doki Doki Panic. Uh, but when it came, and that was the way that it was in Japan. Uh, when it came to America, it was called Super Mario Brothers 2. They re- replaced those characters with Mario characters. And that's how Mario, you know, could jump and runs like kind of basic. Luigi got the high jumps. Toad is kind of fast. And Princess could float. Um, their powers and their personalities and stuff came kind of from Super Mario Brothers 2. So, uh, I'm going to just read some about, uh, Birdo, um, Birdo known in Japanese as Catherine, uh, or Kiyasarin, uh, is a fictional character in the Mario franchise. Her first appearance was an enemy in Yumi Kojo Doki Doki Panic, which was localized for English language audiences as Super Mario Brothers 2. Since then, Birdo has been a recurring character in various franchise spinoffs. Initially, she was depicted as an antagonist, but has since been depicted as an ally. Birdo has also made several cameos, particularly in the Mario Kart series and the Japan-only Wii video game Captain Rainbow. The manual for Super Mario Bros. 2 originally asserted that Birdo is a boy who thinks he is a girl and would rather be referred to as Birdetta. Later release on Super Mario Bros. 2 removed mention of her new name, starting with Mario Tennis. Nintendo eventually simply refers to Birdo as female, depicting Birdo and Yoshi as in a relationship. However, several games still make mention of her male body, such as Captain Rainbow, or refer to the gender confusion without assigning one, such as in Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Birdo has received mostly positive recession for her role in the Mario series. Although her appearance and ambiguous um, gender have been criticized, she has made several appearances in other media, including the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, as well as promotional materials such as figurines and plush toys. And when you kind of read uh, read about it, you're like, wow, that's... Uh, that's that's her that's Birdo or that's him and when you look at the character in sprite form it it kind of looks like a boy it doesn't look like a female um but knowing that history of it you know um uh a boy who thinks he is a girl like we didn't really think about it like that as a kid so we couldn't like we didn't understand about transgender or stuff like that. Um, we were just like, oh, that's a character that we have that we get to fight and um, using the mechanic of um, doing stuff to defeat enemies because you couldn't, you know, stump on them no more. We, we, we would look at Birdo just like, okay, time to jump, get that egg and throw it back at her uh, or throw, throw back at it. Um, him or her, I'm probably going to use her for this conversation. Throw it back at her. Um, and if you work really good, because I, I, I was able to do this, that I would be able to hit um, Birdo with the egg. And before it like went off screen, I was able to jump on the egg, pick it up, and re-hit her again and stuff like that. Um, so that was kind of like the introduction of 
you know, a, a transgender character in video games, even though it's not human, um, it, you know, this is kind of an anamorphic character. Um, it was kind of interesting to see that happen. And then another character came, um, and I completely did not know anything about this until I actually read it in EGM. And that's Poison from Final Fight. Uh, Poison is a fictional character in the Final Fight and Street Fighter series of video games. Created by Akira Yusada for Capcom, Poison first appeared in the original Final Fight alongside a similar character, Roxy, later appearing in Capcom-produced games, media, and merchandise related to the Street Fighter franchise. She is voiced by Asuko Tanaka since the Street Fighter 3 series. Um, and Masai Yumi and SNK versus Capcom SVC Chaos. Originally conceived as a female thug in Final Fight and part of the game's antagonist group, Mad Gear, concerns during the game's development about reactions from North American audiences to fighting women led to the character being reimagined as a new half. However, this was not considered satisfactory and both Poison and her pilot swap Roxy were replaced by uh, the male characters Billy and Sid and have been for every uh, subsequent North American port on the other title on Nintendo consoles and handhelds. After the Final Fight series, she later appeared alongside wrestler Hugo, acting as his manager. With her schemes revolving around finding a tag team partner for him or developing their own wrestling organization, Poison first appeared as a playable character in Final Fight Revenge. She was also to appear in both Capcom Fight and All-Stars and Final Fight Street Rides. However, the former was canceled, and she was omitted from the later as development progressed. Following those aborted attempts, she ended up appearing as a playable character on Street Fighter Cross Tekken. She was also added as a playable character to Ultra Street Fighter. Four. Uh, the character's status as potentially a trans woman, consciously left ambiguous by the developers, has remained a topic of freaking debate by both fans and media alike. And so, um, uh, with <laughs> with Poison being attacked, you know, when you hit her, like her, she has a halter top on, and when you lift her, uh, hit her, you could kind of see uh, part of her boob and stuff. Um, depending if you're playing on the Japanese version or the Mega CD version, um, not so much for America. It's kind of like, like I said, Billy and Sid got replaced in the Super Nintendo version, but definitely with Capcom or uh, beat 'em up arcade being out, um, you can literally fight Poison. Um, the way that it was intended uh, in the original form. Um, when I read that she was, you know, kind of transgender, that she was a trans woman, and I was just like, wait a minute, um, why would they change it? Uh, and I didn't know that this was uh, a big problem because of the way that I fought Linda, and like I said in Double Dragon, the way I fought um, uh, the females in the Streets of Rage games. And e there's even a game called Black Belt where you even fight some female uh, boss characters in there for the Sega Master System. And it was just like, wow, you know, why is it in beat em ups that, you know, the women that's getting attacked by the male players or female uh, players that you control, like, why is it such a big deal? <laughs> you know, um, we our thing was uh, to beat people up and go from left to right or right to left, depending on what beat 'em up game you were playing and stuff. Um, 
there was a if there was a concern for it, I think it was more for adults. Um, because we ch- we ask like I said once again we as kids we knew nothing about it. We were just like, oh, this is a video game that we get to play, and we get to have fun in, and it is what it is. And you know, really didn't think about uh any consequences or stuff you know our our thing was we want to survive and go as far as we could and to see to see that Berto and poison was kind of you know um kind of they, they were they were depicted in a different manner and gave different definitions and reasons on why they were in the game and who they are definitely for nintendo with Berto, you know nintendo and i'm going to kind of address this later on in the show you know nintendo had has a motto about them when it comes to their games not so much capcom you know capcom is kind of just like we want you guys to have fun um you know we want to present our style of games and you know you just enjoy it for what it is uh having Birdo and poison and stuff we just we just didn't never say nothing about it you know um the trans community knew nothing about probably about these characters unless they grew up playing video games um, and i apologize if i'm making that assumption or that judgment but you know we don't have a lot of people talk about that um talk about those two characters kind of like in the gaming sphere of things and so um and depending on where you were at in your lifetime you kind of didn't speak about these kind of issues when it came to video games and and the fact a lot of people didn't speak about these issues in video games because we just didn't have that focus we just didn't think it up as an issue and talk about it you know we didn't we didn't we kind of felt like there wasn't no need for representation in a sense. And this just goes for everybody in the game, in the, in the game community. It's just like, we all had, uh, video games and, um, we were able to play them. We was able to experience them in a certain way, uh, whether it was with arcade or with other family and friends and stuff. And it was just that, that's that social time that we were able to enjoy with one another so we didn't really think about themes and artwork and stuff like that like we do now uh because of the way that games are being created and released um and you know how creators want to uh do and bring out their work we we kind of we kind of didn't just think about that in the arcade game arcade days and back in the 90s and stuff um you know one of the big issues in the 90s was of course blood uh and video games and the rating uh and that kind of led to the esrb um and other factors and stuff and definitely when uh school shootings were coming up and um being televised on tv you know video games were being used as a scapegoat um but we didn't really you know talk about lgbtq uh video game characters or issues and stuff we just didn't talk about it because that part that stuff like that wasn't our focus and i think you know with some gamers out there like if you 
if you if you were one and you didn't really experience this until later on in your years and stuff, you probably could now look at different video games in the past and be like, oh, okay, I recognize. Wow, I didn't know. I really was in a kid's mind because that was my focus. That was how I lived my life as a child and stuff. So, um, Poison and Berto were kind of just like, that was kind of our introductions our lead-ins and it was the, the background and the stories about them the clarity of it was kind of what made them what it is and you know we kind of still look at them for who they are and what they was and like when we play final fight or when we play super mario brothers 2 we still enjoy that the game um as is uh, in this original and intended self and kind of just don't even think about it at times it's just like hey i'm fighting Birdo, um and i'm winning or oh, i'm beating up poison and i'm getting points and making progress and stuff we just you know some people just look at that stuff um and it would be interesting to see how those who never grew up during the 80s and 90s how they take about games that feature lgbtq characters or um how they would take about Birdo and poison if they knew the history and the reasoning about it it would be actually interesting to see and hear people talk about it so when i come back i'm actually going to dive into another game that's kind of made it kind of a little bit mainstream not so much mainstream but kind of interesting and even and i'm just going to give heads up i never played this game but i kind of remember on why it was you know a really important game uh, definitely to the PlayStation community. So when I come back, we're going to be talking about this game. jump into this playstation one classic uh when it comes to lgbtq characters um for the modern age 
maybe people probably well people might still consider this one uh as a retro title um in a sense um and that kind of uh it's kind of going to be like interesting to see i shall say um due to the fact that uh the game that was kind of talked about um was from Edo, from idols um and of course everybody now should know if since I mentioned the PlayStation One and I mentioned uh Idols Entertainment or Interactive I believe. Um I'm talking about Fair Effect. Um this game was uh like a cell shaded gang that came to PlayStation One. Uh it was released in February twenty fourth, two thousand in North America and in Europe August third, two thousand. Um it's an action uh, action adventure single player game, uh developed by Kronos Digital Entertainment and like I said, published by uh, Idols Interactive. Um these are the the company who released um our oh, Idols Interactive. Um they released the Tomb Raider games for the PlayStation One. Um and uh this one was kind of like really interesting in a sense. Um, just reading a little bit of the plot, uh, when the daughter of a powerful Hong Kong triad boss disappears, a trio of mercenaries search for her in the city. They have not been hired to find her, but they intend to kidnap the girl before her father's men locate her, then hold her for ransom. The girl in question, we Ming, uh, has vanished into the fictional Shanghai Pro, uh, Protectorate, uh, Protectorate, uh, Hannah Sue Vachelle, the lead character and fiend fatale of the group, used to work in a brothel somewhere in that region. And uh, it goes on talking about the gang. Um, and the uh, reason why I brought that is because um, Hannah, she, you know, she kisses another girl. And, you know, you visually could see it. And that, that was kind of like the first lesbian kiss in the care. uh that people were able to see and it was kind of like the first like lesbian in a video game um that i know of and so it was kind of interesting to see uh fear fit um in this game um and even though you know hannah even though we have fear effects uh setna out and stuff um we kind of don't realize uh what that kiss kind of meant what that actual moment meant for video games you know it was kind of it was kind of seen like you know some actual representation for gay characters in video games to be like wow they took the story there that i didn't expect and it was interesting to see uh for those who had played the game i i read about it and then i believe i found about it about like game informer and then i think i seen the clip actually on youtube and i was just like oh wow you know something i didn't know um and it was just it was just exciting to see that you know to see that you know th this character that's in this game um it's something new it's it's, it's a fresh take because you know we had uh, where there was just white males leading video games or there might be some kind of robot or um anamorphic uh protagonist kind of being uh male pro male anamorphic protagonist kind of being the lead of a video game so we didn't really have too many females female characters in the video games that were you know 
never lead or you know if they were in the video game they were just kind of dressed up sexy and used as a prop or something like that they didn't really play a major role in the game um and here in fear effect with hannah like that all changed because she was the protagonist um and you know we did have you know uh laura croft and stuff but you know the things with laura croft and how they handled her was over there like we didn't really get a love interest for Laura Laura Croft and I think still to this day we don't actually have one in a sense there were there were hints of it but there weren't anything uh kind of uh you know really big at the moment and stuff so um it was kind of just it, 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 it was something that you know that was historic but we don't make it historic in a sense um, you know, a character that we should have, you know, kind of gave props to, kind of like really talk about, but you know, it became a forgotten character because Fear Effect wasn't a major hit with some people, uh, like Final Fantasy VII was, or how Jack and Daxter, or uh, pretty much Spyro and Crash Bandicoot and stuff like that. Um, they, you know, during the PlayStation, where even Wipeout was was big and stuff, like there were so many games coming out from idols and coming out on PlayStation when even the N64 in a sense, um, that we just didn't pay attention to, uh, that we should have, that we could have, like there were just tons of games coming out. And when you had just different kinds of stuff on your system, whether they were good or bad, one of them may be a real big major hit that you might be like, Oh, okay. Uh, you know, and you might like kind of be like, "Oh, I didn't know this was here," and why no one's talking about that and stuff. So, like, it was kind of big, uh, in a sense, in in that manner. Um, but yeah, Fear Effect is. I, I think people probably should check out Fear Effect. I do. I definitely want to go back and play it, um, and and see what it has to offer and see why uh a game like this it's just kind of not you know wasn't on people's radar and kind of didn't really hit like it should have you know why that uh why that kiss was kind of big and major um in video games and why haven't you know the lgbtq community haven't really said anything about it and stuff um the way that they are talking about it now like it, it like i like i said it's kind of just weird on how things evolved from that so when i come back i'm actually going to be talking about um what makes this kind of and you know why now we embrace it why now in this modern time that we have you know lgbtq uh, lgbtq characters being embraced and why it's kind of brought in a lot of players um for the community to really speak their mind about it and just you know being gross with these guys and just like wow there is representation there um so when i come back we're going to talk about it so i will be right back
Now, if we're talking about embracing, um, there is like literally one company I I have to give like mad props to uh, for um, embracing LGBTQ characters um, and kind of like, you know, affecting the game and affecting the community. And, I, and that's really to Bioware Games. Um, you know, Bioware is a company that, you know, they, they are known for making, uh, your personal choices really matter in the game. So whatever you decide to do, um, when you have these different dialogues and your mannerisms on, on how people view you and everything, um, they can affect your game of like the people that you work with and talk to and get side quests and stuff like that. Um, Bioware, you know, it's kind of known for that with the Mass Effect series from Knights of the Old Republic with the Star Wars, with Jade Empire. You know, they would just, they just have this kind of design to them. Um, and when you look at Mass Effect just itself, the original trilogy, um, you know, the choices that she made in that game really mattered to the story and really mattered to you as a player uh, because the choices that she made affected the crew that you were going to have and the characters that you were going to be using. If you're going to be able to keep some or lose some, you know, you made those more choices and stuff. And the way that you work with that, um, you just decided who you was going to take, who you was going to help and who you wasn't going to help, who you was going to interact and, you know, the answers that you were going to give them and stuff. And one of the big things was, uh, that you had a chance to romance the same sex in there. So, uh, whether if you played as a female, you would be able to romance another female characters. If you was male, you were able to romance certain male characters and stuff. Um, they completely left it open up to you on who you wanted to be with in each game. Um, and it, what was what was cool about it that there was no outrage uh, for, it, but more you know support for choices like these in games and it really mattered to everybody and especially lgbtq community because those decisions brought visibility those decisions allow people to really showcase that you know we are we could be part of the discussion and we could be part of the narrative of a game if you just, you know, allow us to be seen, allow more choices like this to be engaged and have that freedom of choice, not, you know, nothing to be forced or anything. It, it was, it's very interesting to see and like really, really good and everything. Um, and the reason why Bioware is kind of, you know, big about this is that, you know, it doesn't punish nobody. You you your choices really matter in the game and your love life uh came from those choices and it it was just great to have and it, even still in mass effect Andromeda, you know you had a character that you were able to romance and um be able to have a child with you know uh, uh the the main character that she played with um you depending on what sex that you uh designed your character to be um there was a point where you guys were talking and you guys would just be like well you know what we could adopt or 
you know, we could see how we could work through this to have a child and stuff. And it was just really interesting to see that Bioware um, took this upon themselves, didn't receive no criticism. Um, and if they did receive it, it was less likely to affect the sales of those games and affect the community. And, you know, there, I, I, there probably were negative viewpoints and negative criticism and stuff, or, you know, there might've been some gamers to be like, Oh, this felt like, so rushed down my throat, but it, it wasn't there. It was just like, people love those games. People love to have that decision. And, you know, there were some people who probably didn't even romance nobody. It was up to the player and stuff, but it was important for, um, the LGBTQ community to see this, to like really be able to express it. And then, you know, we have like one up with blogs and, you know, we were able to tell our stories and journalize stuff. And it's just, and as the gaming community in general, um, we were able to tell what we thought about those things, express our opinion and our own opinion in critical manner um sometimes it might seem biased sometimes it might seem raging and stuff but having that freedom to get your word about a game was out there and so to interact with a game of that style of that nature and then to be able to you know express your emotions express your opinions whether it was professional or not um you have that option um and that and that was just so good, you know. And and I think that's why I feel like even to this day. And and, and I said what my feelings about. Sorry about that, everybody. Oh, Mike fell. Uh, I said that about uh, uh my opinions about Bioware. It's just like I didn't like their games and stuff at a point. And it took Mass Effect to really get me into them as a company to be like i love the story i love these characters i love the narrative um just having these choices and stuff like it really drew me in because everything i did in that game was unexpected and it came from the way that i wanted to play the game and be able to get an understanding because from what i talked to another person who played the game and stuff our experiences were different and when it came to romancing somebody i told the i told my friend um that who i romance with and he told me his person and i played as a male shepherd and i romanced another uh character in the game another male character in the game and i did that for all three games and even andromeda i did just you know it, it was just really good to see to have that option not saying that none of the females and stuff were um were a, a good option or anything it was just that it, it was just it was kind of good to see, you know, to have that option. And I could always go back to those games and romance a female character. Like, it um, it, it was just great to, like, really see and really understand and definitely enjoy to have that. Um, and then uh, now, when it comes to Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony, I do have to give it up to Sony. Because they're, right now, at this moment, the only first-party company to have a... Uh, lesbian character with ellie and the the last of us you know this is sony and naughty dog so you know for them to be as a first party to embrace this um to uh showcase that you know um definitely with i think it's the the last stand the first dlc to show where ellie 
uh, how she became about that and stuff. And then later on, um, seeing the trailers for The Last of Us 2, definitely last year's E3, um, you kind of see how she has embraced it, how Sony is allowing that. And it's great to see that, you know, Sony really cares about um, everybody, like the LGBTQ community being a video guest, because that they probably feel like that that's part of the narrative that they want to tell from that developer. Um, it's just really good and really and and just happy to definitely see, um, like just having this embrace, uh, for it. Um, definitely now that Overwatch, you know, has kind of released some characters and saying that they were gay and. You know, people who have um, took art in art in certain ways, I should say, uh, about that and stuff. Um, and and that's kind of how some people, LGBTQ people, see that they could take a character and design them in the way that they want to design them, whether it be sexy, where it's not, whether people are dressed like them in a typical manner and stuff. Like it, it's kind of engaging to see that, you know this community is now being op- more open and being accepted, but not everybody is, you know, accepting uh, to it yet. So, um, I'm going to actually talk a little bit about that when I come back on why, you know, some people are just disengaged. All right. And I'll be right back. So let's get into why there has been still to this day some disengagement about having uh, LGBTQ characters in video games from this company um, or for, you know, the various reasons. Okay. And a lot of people probably wouldn't expect me talking about this. And but I kind of want to I kind of want to delve uh, like dive dive into it. Uh, Nintendo keeping a family focus with their products. Um, we do understand that Nintendo has, like I said, has a model that you know they're focused on fun. Um, they're focused on the adventure that you're going to take their characters and stuff uh, with it. Now they may have um 
some some people who work for who are who are gay who work on these games and stuff um but you know they haven't created characters or anything from their universe um that would be like okay we could like you know really um like put on the best best list of characters or like really be like yay you know Birdo is the only one that we know of but we see how Nintendo handled that and it's kind of sad to see that they're that they're not focusing on that you know it is it's good that when um that they that they recognize it and they have employees who are there and you know they do kind of like are happy that there are um lgbtq gamers who play their game who create content and stuff they they, you know they are happy about that and stuff but them themselves as a company making the video games with characters having it in it it's not part of their repertoire um not kind of their idea of when they think about video games and stuff and some of it kind of had to deal with a Japanese culture on how they take about it. And some of it deals with here, how we look at it in America and probably also in the UK and stuff. And so it's kind of one of the things that I kind of am disappointed about with Nintendo in a sense is that, you know, we are in a modern times that it's okay to make a character and who is uh who is like that you know uh, lgbtq character you can um you can make that character and it could actually be accepted it's not going to be made fun of you know it i think a lot of people will be excited to be like hey nintendo yay you know you you kind of caught up with modern times you know we understand your model. We understand your focus and what you want to do when it comes to video games. And we're always going to enjoy that. We're always going to support that and everything. But we kind of want a character that, you know, has that representation. We kind of want to be able to, to you know, go through a story. Whether it's, a, whether it's teen or not, you know, we want to be able to go through that story. You know, a lot of people feel like Samus would be a great character to lead that but i'm not so sure you know samus has some samus has her own storylines and things that she has to go through and stuff um and her own adventures and everything and we don't really think about her having a partner or anything if it's anything her ship is her partner (laughs) and earlier than that the baby metroid from super metroid you know even though it doesn't play a big part, you know, it, it did see Simmons as its mother and stuff. So, um, you know, we don't, I, I just really wish that Nintendo would kind of catch up for modern times and really be like, Hey, you can, uh, still provide products and games with family focus. And there are families who have two dads and two moms and on how all of that works out, you know, with their relationships and stuff. You know, they're part of a family, too. Um, and they want to get their kid into gaming also and stuff. You know, I, I, we know that playing with friends and being social stuff is a good thing. It's a great thing. Um, and Nintendo has been great about that. But I think it's time for Nintendo to catch up with modern times and be like hey 
create an LGBTQ character, engage in that, you know, uh, embrace that and just put one out there, whether it sells or not. And whether you might not Meredith, whether they want to shy away from it, uh, it would be good to have, you know, it, it, it would be a, not just a good discussion for some people, but it would just be good to have as a character that we all could talk about and be like, Hey, this character came from Nintendo and there, that person's game and adventure is wow. How it would sell and how we would take about it, it would probably be surprising and everything. Um, how you would sell it to kids though. Um, there's a random board for that, <laughs> you know? And I think kids who are not able to understand that at, this time i think they probably will later on down the line if that game is still available physically or digitally you know maybe they might become a teenager or maybe they can handle that material and stuff you know if you're if you're a parent who are able to buy your kids still call of duty and they shouldn't be playing it or grand theft auto and nothing has to turn out they may be able to handle an lgbtq character from a nintendo i would love to see that um, Microsoft hasn't focused on it yet. I haven't found any game just yet where I can't think of one at this time. Um, but I know Microsoft with the way that they're going, where they, how they want to tell these stories. I have a feeling that they will be, um, creating LGBTQ character. And I think they will be like side quests and stuff like there that people can like identify and be like, okay, great job, Microsoft. I like how you handle this. And you know, we, we shall see. Um, Gears of War was used as a mere example of masculinity. Um, and kind of like how, and, and the reason why I say that's just like Gears of War, the over the top muscles, um, uh, them all being kind of like you know army focused and being the way that they were built and designed and stuff and how you know they didn't really think about love they thought about fighting the war and killing and you know the stuff issues that they had to deal with um it kind of just showed like the um video game bros uh and hardcore um this is what makes a video game uh or this is what makes a real gamer and you know um games gamers who are lgbtq you know play the fairy stuff or play the stuff that's not really that they can't handle because it's too masculine and stuff and it, it was it, at a time it was disengaging because it was it it was a very destructive of the community. There's a lot of things that are, you know, that are, could be criticized and seen as uh, um, destructive in the game, in the gaming community and still to the, to this day. But, you know, to use that example of, you know, hardcore gamers were always going to be male. Um, you couldn't be female. You couldn't really be part of the, you know, you couldn't be gay or anything. Um, to handle games like these or you weren't a big purchaser or you weren't uh you know multi uh online player and stuff you know gears of war was just used as a defense and argument and stuff from a lot of players and that really became toxic in a sense it's not toxic as as of now because of the way that games have expanded and stuff but you kind of could see you know, for some people, that's how they view video games. 
and you know if you didn't have these type of games in your library or you didn't play them you weren't a real gamer and stuff um and it's and it's kind of sad because it was just like if if you're an adult who likes to play barbie i still consider you as a gamer and stuff is a video game that you bought and you enjoy the stuff and you play maybe with your friends or family or stuff like that or even overcook and stuff i still consider you as a gamer and everything whether you play on console or pc no no matter where you play it i'm like if you purchase it or even rent it or streaming the stuff if you if you are getting some fulfillment or enjoyment, if you if it, it makes you talk about games, if you make you feel part of the community and stuff, and even if other people don't play it, but they love the fact that you have a passion for games or a passion for that genre stuff, you know it, it it's really great to have. You know, your to me personally, your sexuality doesn't matter. You know, I I love the fact that I could game with anybody and everybody. Um, yeah there are some toxic people that i shouldn't game with or i could play with um but i haven't uh i haven't you know really um you know interacted with that i should say um i i love the people that i have on my twitter i love the people that are on my facebook i love the people that i talk with about video games and the way they see how i play video games and how i viewed it it's just great to have and so that so definitely for the lgbtq uh community that i engage and talk to and stuff um and and just like and play and you know talk to them and stuff and play games with them and stuff and definitely just like like i say any game that i play with it's just like it's, it's great to have that discussion it's great to laugh it's great to be like oh you know that song oh yes you remember this part of the game it's just that communication that i have just with anybody when it comes to games is really like exciting and stuff and I feel like, and I feel that during that, that time playing Gears of War, it was just like, this is not a good usage of your definition of what a video game should be and whoever play it should be defined as a gamer. Um, which leads into the response to some Overwatch characters. Um, it's been half and half. You know, a lot of LGBTQ players have been happy. Some of the hardcore or, you know, some some people still view Overwatch as you know at the, in their comp- competitive spirit and stuff. Some of them view it in certain ways and stuff, and uh, you know they kind of just like, oh, it feels like this is just being thrown in, or this is being stuffed down my throat, like I said earlier. Um, and it's kind of weird to see that you know people just like I don't want my I don't want my Overwatch characters to uh, be affiliated with uh uh that lifestyle or and it's kind of like why you know if if blizzard wants to make a particular character um a lgbtq character um or whatever let them it's their ip they could make the background story first of all it's just a character it's not a real human person um if you do choose them and you are good at it whether you're straight or gay it shouldn't matter if you're getting an enjoyment and stuff. It shouldn't make you shouldn't feel disengaged to stop playing Overwatch because they got that as a character, as maybe one of your favorites or someone that you have to fight against or that's on your team and stuff. And it's it's kind of weird that you know it it shouldn't it really shouldn't be that way. 
Um, you should be able to play Overwatch and enjoy the game for what it is. There's a lot of problems that <laughs> Overwatch has that people are trying to deal with and overcome, but still bring some enjoyment to it. So um, it was just that when they announced it, the response from some of the straight people, which just felt, or not straight people, just from different gamers, just felt you know kind of quite unfair. And they should have been like, oh, that's cool. And kept the and kept it moving and stuff. You know, we can have LGBTQ characters in Overwatch and multiplayer shooters. Uh, like we can have that. It doesn't change the experience or the fun. It just say that this is the background of that character, and that's it. You know. So when I come back, I'm gonna get give out um some of my options that I kind of want to see where this can go to help bring in more. Uh, sorry about that, everybody again. <laughs> uh, uh, to bring in more players and stuff, or you know, to to make it more visible to everybody that you know LGBTQ video game characters, you know, are here to stay. Um, we welcome them and everything. So when I come back, we're going to get into that last part. So where can we go uh, with this? How do we um, kind of bring more visibility and, you know, how can we bring in more actual LGBTQ characters uh, and players from around the world? Like, how how do we do it? Well, first of all, I think we need more main LGBTQ characters. We need to literally have that in the video game space but definitely from the indie side from first party and triple a like i said earlier i really want nintendo to bring those characters you know and bring those games and their adventures and their stories because i think we are old enough and wise enough to engage them and they're acceptable uh, and regardless of how the sales will go about it i think people will not flock to it but i think people will take notice of it and pick it up and give it a chance because you guys are nintendo um 
And I think you have enough of the fan base and enough of the community, just gamers around the world, who will willing, who will be willing to give that a chance. If if it's able to meet the cultural standards that you know, when it does get a rating, that um, uh, is still an um, and you know the right to be sold to um the right people, the right ages and stuff and everything, and follow those laws and everything. Um, or the store policies, then bring it. You know, I would like I said, I would love to see Nintendo to have one. You know, I would kind of love to see Microsoft uh, beginning to show more of it, and they probably will. Like, I would just love to see more come out. Um, Custom made look at characters arcade, but doesn't fix it. So, of course, you know, we custom made characters like like Saints Row Three. If, you know we could have a dude dressed in women's clothing and stuff uh but that doesn't fix uh the adventure you're just dressing a uh, custom uh player or a character to look a certain way and do maybe certain mannerisms and stuff and for some people they may find that funny and stuff but you know we kind of want to be like hey thank you for that option and stuff but you know if if we're going to have this option, we as the player need to take it serious. Just be like, yeah, I really wanted to make my character this because I think it's cool, it's acceptable, and I kind of want to control a character like this and stuff and have fun with this this character. Um, uh, would be a great narrative to explore with homophobia or shame thrown at it. Um, and what I mean by this is that, you know, I think we're, we are people who, who can buy their own video games or, you know, maybe 17 and up in adults and stuff who are able to handle issues with homophobia and you know with shame and stuff like i i think it can be addressed in video games um to you know bring more understanding bringing just not only lgbtq uh players and stuff or you know consumers but just bring in anyone who has who has an issue with it who is dealing with homophobia who uh showcases homophobia just like you know if you are willing to not listen to people or stuff about it but you are a big gamer stuff maybe this it it won't not say cure it won't fix the problem totally but i'm just like i hope that it gives you a better understanding on why homophobia is bad why shaming someone is like bad like it's not good it's not really healthy for anybody you know we are at an age in in the society that we should be more acceptable uh of every person now there's some things that we cannot accept you know we can't accept racism discrimination and prejudice we can't accept hate uh, and hate rhetoric and stuff like that we can't uh, we can't accept that because there are some people who take that seriously and will transform that into violence and we don't want to be violent against each other and like you know that leads to killings that leads to bombing to you know there's enough stuff that we are dealing with uh on our in our everyday lives um regardless of what race you are there's just a lot of stuff that we are dealing with and sometimes games could be that um that exit that enjoyment that that relief you know that therapy that we kind of need and we don't want to engage in that you know so but you know 
um, there may be a game that that talks about homophobia and how it, people could overcome it, or talk about shame and how that could be overcome. And, and shame as and just shame and just being who you are and stuff. And that could be for heterosexuals or homosexuals. It really don't matter. Dealing with the issue of shame is a really big thing that may be helpful to somebody. And I think that would be a great narrative, definitely for the LGBTQ characters. Um, community and characters because them didn't shame just because they are who they are you know they have to deal with that every day you know for some people um more lgbtq developers and publishers attention and cultural acceptance uh, i kind of want to see more of that you know and on destructoid or or ign um on different communities and stuff like we kind of need to see more developers and more publishers getting their stories out you know looking at their team how they all work together to create these games you know talking about podcasts and reading books and just like we need more of that and i think if we get that kind of visibility i think there'll be more acceptance and more understanding um not thrown in as an afterthought you know just don't make a character lgbtq just to sell more copies that doesn't work we we got to get away from that hopefully that's not a lot of people's reasons for stuff um last but not least encouragement i think you know encourage People who are LGBTQ, who have a viewpoint about video games and online community, just be like, hey, there are people that are like you. People who might not, you know, be gay or anything, but they love the games and genres and strategy games and the way that kind of they tell the story and narrative and artwork and music and stuff. Things that she may enjoy that other people can enjoy like the encouragement that we can have to bring in friendships and bring in put more players and stuff like that's always going to be encouraging for everybody but it's i think it's more encouraging for the lgbtq community and stuff you know we're we're doing it more with women we're doing it more with different players around the world with different races and stuff we're always being encouraging for that but we kind of just need to encourage anybody and everyone to you know gain to gain and like enjoy and, and enjoy and like the discouragement comes from i can't believe you like this gamer or you shouldn't be playing games that's a waste of time and stuff it shouldn't be like that it should always be encouraging for it you know maybe someone who is lgbtq is a good great creates a great creator but can't really play minecraft or really are afraid to get their stuff out you know maybe take it to the side and have them make a mario level as weird as it seems or definitely with dreams beta being out kind of get into into that and stuff or even mario paint if you want to like there's a lot of things that you could be that you encourage a lot of people to do that's definitely with the lgbtq community like it would just be more awesome to have and see so um that's going to be our the uh, show everybody i really want to see what you guys think um but before i get into all of that i'm going to uh take one more break and then we're going to get into plugs and i'll be right back
And I am back, everybody. So, uh, we're going to get into some plugs um, real quick. I kind of want to hear what you guys think about LGBTQ characters. And, you know, how would you bring more, you know, players into it with the games uh, that you play or that you know of that may fit, um, that they may recognize and that they may, like, possibly enjoy you guys can email the show at my out to comment at yahoo.com you guys can follow me on twitter at that retrocope you can also check out more of optional opinion on soundcloud itunes google play and other podcast apps um you also guys can check out these other shows that i listen to and they're just great gaming friends that i have and um basically i just call them friends around the world uh you know that i definitely enjoy um the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Um, you can like their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at HH Podcast Show. Um, Secret Friends Unite. You can check out their podcast on Podomatic, iTunes, and Stitcher. Like their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at Secret Friends U. Um, Nindy Nation can be found on iTunes and at the Nintendo Village.com. You can also find them on Facebook and on Twitter at Nindy Nation. Uh, you can find Nintendo Domain at Nintendo Domain Podcast.com and uh, on YouTube.com slash Thing Matter at Twitch.tv slash Nintendo Domain Podcast. Check out the Devin Cox Experience and the Skyward Cast on iTunes. Uh, um, you can check out also World One One podcast on podbean.com um everybody i am part of nurse gone rogue um ngrradio.com where i am co-host of nintendo power block and host of arsenal x and jr's radio xbox podcast but we also have nurse gone platinum our uh, uh playstation uh podcast we also have um our main podcast nurse gone rogue and other content shows on there like pod and play nintendo showcase uh ax plays um i have uh yoshi's crafted world on ngr uh radio.com as a review uh shout out to Corey Deer- Derek. he helped me uh get that edited and you know he just really made and <laughs> he gave it a glow i should say um i am going to be jumping back on twitch so if you guys want to check me out i'm at the lyrical one um, and I'm going to be getting back to my Let's Learn series, but I'm also going to be doing shows for NGR Radio that you guys will be able to check out. And really can't wait. And I may actually put stuff on my YouTube page uh, that you guys might definitely enjoy. It's going to be interesting. I, I'm working some stuff out um, and see how that goes. Um, so it might be optional opinion related or uh it, it just might be some, something personal that i kind of want to bring out and talk um i will see how that goes um and i like i said i did mission world one one podcast on podbean.com you can also follow us at on twitter at world one one podcast and email the show at world one one podcast at gmail.com um the latest episode has topher kentler uh he was part of destructoid um so you'll be able to check that out um i'm not in the first part of it but i'm in like in the second half uh because i was doing some other things and stuff but i really want everybody to have a great week have a great weekend um before i go kind of want to talk about the music that you guys heard in this episode um, my intro was Re Plus Nighttime. You can find that at with Voice Out. Um, Jet Force Gemini soundtrack, SS Anubius, uh, Jet Force Gemini 123. 
uh, Super Fantasy Zone Picnic S N E S S N S N E S M D sixteen dash O S T Project Gotham Racing O S T Showroom by Clutch Miss Villip C L U T C H M S I L V A P or that might be Clutch M Silvap Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate O S T Vastrex Thing B G M Sound of Monster Hunter Snatcher O S T One Night in Neo Kobe City by Kara Christianson Most Emotional Music The Last Guardian O S T Slash Theme Song Slash Dreams of Trico by Tech Dream Music and the last song that I'm playing for this episode is the Pokemon Battle Theme Drum Cover by VG Drum Covers. Um, I heard, listened to this, and I was just like, okay, that is so good. I had to. It was going to be part of the breaks, but I was just like, you know what? I got to end the show for this. Everybody have a great week. Have a great weekend. I'm so glad to be back recording Optional Opinion. I'm sorry that I wasn't able to get a, a couple of episodes up. Um, like I said, I ha- actually had a family uh, death that happened, so I had to go to the funeral and take time off for that. But um, I am back. Uh, hopefully, everybody enjoyed this episode. Like I said, you can let me know what you guys think. At, like I said, email the show at myop2comment at yahoo.com. And like I said, follow me on Twitter at that retro code. Um, but everybody, enjoy the week. Enjoy the weekend. I'm going to be playing some days gone uh, and uh, get ready for that. I'm quite enjoying it. There's kind of discussions going on about that game. And I know people are watching uh, the Avengers Endgame and stuff uh, when you guys hear this episode so um, I'm going to wait about that so um, I will see you guys next time with Optional Opinion and everybody be great to each other have fun enjoy games talk to some LGBTQ players or trust your friends and stuff if they're into games or not like really enjoy their company and stuff and love on them encourage them as always with that everybody I am out peace